You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen Backstage. I am super excited about my guest today, Rashid Williams. Rashid is currently out on tour with John Legend, and he plays with an amazing bunch of artists, including Common, Jill Scott, J. Cole, and many others. I'm going to talk to Rashid today about getting his start in music very young, all of the people that have been there for him along the way, how he made it through the pandemic, and playing music, and what he is up to now. So come along with me as I catch up with Rashid Williams. Rashid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a true honor. You've had some really heavy hitters here, so I'm happy. Oh my to be gosh! Here. Well, yeah, and you belong right in that crowd. So th- thank you for. Who are you? That I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> It's great to see you. It's so nice to see your face. Yeah, it's been it's been too long and you know, pandemic vibes. You don't really see anybody anymore unless it's on the screen. So I'll take I'll take what I can get. I will too. We're very thankful for technology these days. 100%, 100%. Absolutely. And where are you right now? You are somewhere in I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh <laughs> Uh, we have a show here tonight. I'm doing. I'm on the Bigger Love Tour with John Legend right now. So we played Dallas last night. It was a great show. We had fun. Um, and yeah, tonight we played Tulsa and then fly to Jacksonville tomorrow. So it's different, but it's still good. I'm still enjoying being a drummer. And, you know, the music is great. This is one of the best shows we've done, in my opinion, in the time that I've been with him. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Amazing. What What is the vibe like now with things being so different out there on the road? Uh, it's something that we would have never guessed. <laughs> um, I mean, we test very often. Uh, I think every other day. And if we fly, then we have to test uh, like a different kind of test. So you have the, the PCR test, you have the antigen test. Uh, we do both <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on how much traveling we've done. The other part of this is that our in like in venues is a whole different way than what we've ever seen or thought that this thing would be like. Legitimately, if you're not in the bubble, our touring bubble, you're not back there. You're not around us. Mm-hmm. And I, I commend our I commend our team because they make sure that we stay safe. So I'm all about it. I'm totally like, do what you got to do. I'll do my test. I'll wear my mask. Whatever has to happen, you know, I'm cool with it because at the end of the day, we just want to be able to continue the tour. And so many tours have been getting canceled or dates. And like, I can't tell you how many times we're at a hotel somewhere and we meet band members of a band where some of the band members got COVID and they're like, oh, such and such is up in their room. They've been here for eight days already because we all have to quarantine now. We have to stay in one space. Right. Like even some guys are testing negative. They still have to stay in one space. So it's it's intense. It's very, very intense. Yes, I bet. And I know that the the feeling backstage is so different now. You know, there's not that all the people that come to see everybody and catch up with everyone in every every city and um, spend time together. You know, you have a lot of people in close quarters and 
lots of hugs and all that stuff. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just so different. Bumps. Tons of fist bumps. Yes. Fist, fist bumps and hand sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what backstage looks like now. Right. And fist bumps are good, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's better than nothing. I think that the, I, I mean, this is a time in life where you can't, like beggars can't be choosers. You got to just mm -hmm. say, hey, listen, I will take going through all the protocols if it means I get to have human interaction and play in front of people again. Yes. You can't say like, oh, I don't want to do it like this. No, it's like, this is, we got to do it right now. And it's a real beautiful thing to see the, the just the happiness on people's faces. You can tell that for a lot of people, especially the folks that we've been seeing, a lot of these people are like posting online. This is their first concert, their first yes. public outing since the pandemic situation happened. And it's like, I'm honored to be part of, you know, some of these folks' first show. So, and I get to be yes. to make people dance, which is always the goal. Right, exactly. You're making people really happy. And I I was saying the other day, you know, we all have um, the story of our first concert, right? The first concert we ever went to, the first time we saw live music. And I think people have another story or they have two more stories. So you have your first concert you ever went to. You have your last concert before the quarantine <laughs> that yep. you remember. And then you have the first concert that you've gone to back since everything has been opened um opened up and people are touring again so yeah. it's a it's a different world now yeah i think in the other part i think people are actually gaining hope from this um mm -hmm. you were just talking about the song bus the other day it was like the the question of should we do shows right like that's a thing that's a common question that i'm sure all the promoters all the artists all the management staff like everybody's having those questions the thing is, at some point, you got to say, well, we have to do shows because if we don't, it leaves no hope for anything. It's like, okay, live music is never going to come back. Mm -hmm. And that is just like, even saying that out loud is like, what? That, that just doesn't make sense. So right. it's a really hopeful thing to see that like we're actually pulling this thing off and it's happening in the most beautiful way watching people smile, watching people stand up and dance and not feel weird about like who they're next to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a pretty cool thing to just witness it like firsthand. So yeah, I'll go through the protocols. I'll, I'll do the test. It's no big deal. I love it. It's so great. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Speaking of live music and, and um, how it makes people happy and all of that, I want to talk about you and your kind of journey into music and i know you started playing drums very young you were yeah. like three years old something like that i the way i tell people is i do not remember learning how to play wow i don't remember learning like if somebody was to say what was your first drum lesson i do not know i know that as long as i can remember i had sticks in my hand mm -hmm. that's kind of just the thing so yeah i was pretty young my parents say three i don't know yeah age three but they tell me three yeah, you were three that'd be cool three you were three <laughs> and you started playing in church right yeah. and yeah so kind of came up and um when did you start you know playing kind of out in in bands for the first time because you were pretty young then as well right yeah so my first so all right so i can remember 
maybe from like five or six on. Um, I played at a church that my whole family went to in Jersey City, which is where I was born. Um, and the church that we went to, for lack of better ways of saying it, we'll just say wasn't as progressive <laughs> as what maybe I think my parents wanted me to be a part of, at least musically. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was my oldest sister um, is an incredible singer. And at that time, she was also trying to sing out more and do more. So she wanted to join this community choir um, closer to where we lived in South Jersey. And uh, I went to the audition you know, with her, my, her, my mom, and myself. And um, I used to stuff drumsticks up my sleeve so I can still have my sticks with me, but it wasn't like as corny as carrying them around. I don't know why I thought that was a better way to do it, but that's how <laughs> I did it. I like it. Yeah, like I'm talking super like pullover, you know, football jacket, and I got sticks stuffed up my sleeve. So yeah, I did that. And it just so happened that uh there wasn't a drummer playing. It was just a woman on an organ because it was the auditions were at a church. So my mom asked this lady, she's like, Well, my son plays drums. Mind you, I'm nine years old by this point. Uh she's like, Well, my son plays drums, you know, you should let him play because he's good. So she was like, well, let's see, let's see. So I, I, I pulled my sticks out my sleeve and everybody's looking at me like, that was weird. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, the organist, uh, a woman named Cindy Barber, which is so significant in my whole past and my story musically, uh, she starts playing all these different things and seeing if I can follow her. And everything, tempo changes, song changes, whatever. And uh, I think at one point she like turned around and looked back like, oh, he can he can actually play. So, um, yeah, she ended up asking me to play for the choir. That was the thing. It was, well, can he play for the choir? He's really young, but his older sister's here. So they mm-hmm. can come to all the rehearsals and all the, you know, services together. And that then morphed into me playing at that actual church. Now, wow. so my parents, I, I give them all the credit, all the props, because we're talking sending your nine-year-old son to go play at a church when you're not even there. Like somebody will come pick me up in the morning, bring me back after service was done that Sunday. If I remember correctly, I was done like two Sundays a month. It was like second and fourth Sunday or something like that. And um, wow. yeah, like that was my first like hey, here's, you know, more than 10 bucks to play and you get to get a cassette tape with all the music and you got to learn it. And I'm, this is nine-year-old me, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you're a mother. You can imagine at some point I'm crying my eyes out because I don't want to go to rehearsal. Yeah. And my parents are like, but you told them you would be there. So you got to do it. You know, you got to, you wanted this. And if you really, truly want this, you have to, prove it you have to put the work in you know work mm-hmm. ethic early so from there uh this nine so i did that from like nine to 12. um i played at that church and with that choir um 12 came around and by this point i had decided i always tell people i watched Jenna jackson's velvet rope on hbo and little john roberts was on drums and i was like i want to be a drummer full-time I'm do I'm trying to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And also 
what was happening around that time was Usher's Live in Chattanooga, which I later learned Usher was opening for Janet on the Velvet Rope Tour. So, you know, looking at Brian Frazier Moore play the Usher show and then Little John playing the Janet show, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is what I'm mm-hmm. doing for the rest of my life. So um, by that point, I had created some a bit of notoriety in the area for this young kid that was playing, you know, with this traveling choir. And that's when I started getting more like local group offers. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey man, we want you to play for our group. And the first one was a, a group called Armageddon, which I'm still cool with these guys to this day, which is so beautiful. But um, yeah, like the leader of the group, a guy named BJ, he had to like sit down and meet with my parents because at this point I'm like 12 or 13 years old. And my folks were like, look, this is crucial time for our son. We're not just letting him leave the house with anybody. Right. Like, he has school and you rehearse at night. <laughs> and, you know, I already wasn't into school anyway. So they were like, we're not giving him reasons to not pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I started playing with this group, Armageddon. And that was probably when stuff started really like unraveling into like, okay, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I made the decision that this is what I want to do. People are actually starting to know who Rashid is. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to churches and folks are recognizing me. And at 12, 13 years old, that was a big deal. It was like, oh wow, these guys know who I am. And you know, they expect me yeah. to stop. <laughs> so it was like that was the beginning. That was like that stretch from like nine to thirteen was the beginning of what now turned into everything I'm doing now. So amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's something weird about telling people that I was nine years old making money as a drummer. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) tons of child labor laws. I'm sure. (laughs) We won't talk Uh, about that though. (laughs) But really like credit to your parents too for supporting and teaching you about you know, honoring your commitment and, and all of that. And I, you know, I love your parents so much. I, they have a special place in my heart too. Yeah, um, yeah. Dang. But like this put me all the way like, to this day. Like yeah. it's, it's so crazy that to talk about the support that I got from them and then to think about, well, when I came to Zildjian, when I was a Zildjian artist and we drove up from Jersey to Boston, Yes. And my parents were right there. It was like, oh no, we're not, we're not, not going to support this moment. Like we're going to be what? here and be a part of it and be present with it, um, which is actually the first time we met. So, yes, uh, it was. And how yeah. how old were you then? I for I forget. You were young though, like eighteen. No, I was. I was. I had to be in my early twenties because by this were point, you? okay. And okay. that was the interesting thing about it because I remember, and I'm sure you remember this, we had done everything and like, you know, it's something about the first time you walk into a symbol company or a factory and you see that welcome Rashid Williams, right? Yes. And then like, we're back there and you guys rolled out the red carpet for me. It was great. And then remember like a blizzard happened that day. Yes. So while we're inside like playing symbols and doing all the cool things, a complete blizzard happens outside. So I'm sure you also remember my parents looking at me like, okay, do they have a shovel so you can shovel our car out? <laughs> yes. 
they were like, you know, we don't care that you just did all this cool stuff as a drum artist. Like, that's what's up. But you need to shovel out the car so that we can. Absolutely. I went from signing a contract to getting the snow out the way, which was, you know, just a, a further point of like, they will support it all and still make sure I remain to be their son, uh, keeping me humble, you know? For so, sure. Yeah. A day, a day that's forever embedded into my memory. Mine too. Mine too. I just, I remember you driving up and we knew there was supposed to be a storm, but I think it, was, it ended up being way worse than, than we realized. Right. So like way worse. <laughs> and yeah. So you drove up and I was just, you know, really psyched to meet you and help you find your sounds yeah. And we had a blast um, and really like spent the whole day just picking symbols and talking well, yeah. about different sounds. By the time we went outside, it was two feet of snow out there. Was, there was like two feet of snow on the ground. It's yeah, crazy. It was so unreal. <laughs> I was like, what is happening today? Yes. And I do remember that. Your mom was like, okay, ask them for a shovel so you can shovel us out. And I was like, that is so important. <laughs> it's so important because, yeah. you know, so many, I feel like I've seen so many really young, talented musicians, actors, actresses, you know, kind of let the parents let the kids get get the the ego and then it kind of just spirals from there. And it was just so important that they did that for you. Even though yeah, you know they did a great job. They did yeah. a great job. I'm forever, forever thankful to them for that. Even to this day, like I mean the cool part is that I think I've never really been or rather, I'll say I do my best to maintain the humble position because mm -hmm. in our sometimes you can't be humble. Sometimes you have to be like, no, this is what I deserve. This is what I want. Period. Yes. Um, I try to always maintain the humble position. And my parents are really good at making sure that if they feel that I'm not maintaining that position, mm -hmm. they will remind me often. Yes. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> don't forget where you came from. No. And I'm I'm forever thankful for that because I think that those are the parts of our success that nobody ever talked about. Um, like knowing when to pick it up and put it down because mm -hmm. you have to have somebody in your life that's going to pull your coat down and say, hey, listen, like, slow down. Remember this. Remember the young kid who stuffed the sticks up his sleeve. And it's funny because a lot of the changes that I more recently made um, and the gear I'm playing in and the companies that I'm a part of, the families I'm a part of, was based on remembering that. Um, it was highly, it was big on like, get off the machine, get out of the machine and get back to like the organic world that I remember as a child. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's cool to have that constant kind of, hey man, come back down, we here. And right, right. Yeah. And I'm sure that that actually helped in the past year and a half when, yeah. you know, your reality, like what you knew as reality in this in this world of music was completely changed and paused. Um, and then you have to figure out a different way to do what you do and um, stay sane about it. You know, so um, being grounded is a good thing. Um, we went from, and I, I guess in, in the music community, I'm sure you know, uh, it's interesting to go from 
okay, my purpose in this situation is to do this. So like I was on tour when everything happened. I was out with Jill and we were having a great tour. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm the musical director. This is her 20th anniversary of her first album. We're doing like, it's, it was just incredible. Um, and then it all gets snatched from under you. And then the first thing you say to yourself is, okay, what am I going to do without the drums? Like, what am I going to do without a pair of sticks in my hand? And some people say, oh, yo, you produce. Well, we were already producing music. That wasn't like that wasn't something that was like, oh, now you do this. It's like, well, that's going to be able to continue because I could do that at home. Mm-hmm. But what about this whole other thing that like is an integral part of my lifestyle? You know what I'm saying? That expression is massive. So I commend all musicians because, yeah, it wasn't like a nine to five where the job was like, hey, Work from home, we'll send you money still, and we'll, you know, we'll just put you on the, what, what was the thing called? Where they, uh, uh furlough? They, furlough, that's furlough. what it was. We'll yeah. just furlough you for a little while. No, no, no. This was like, hey guys, we're shutting down everything. You got to go home. Oh, by the way, yeah, we're not paying anybody. <laughs> like, you know, some artists were like, we're not paying anybody for anything. Think mm-hmm. other really amazing artists. I'm fortunate enough to work for one of them. That was like, I'm going to take care of my people. I'm going to make sure that you are good. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, refreshing. But at the same time, we also learned the value of actually playing music and not just the money. It's right. like, cool. I'm And truth be told, and this is the blessed part of this is me and my family were fine financially. Um, it was me realizing that I didn't have the creative outlet. That mm-hmm. was part. It was like what am I supposed to do today? <laughs> you know, like, what am right. I, I'm, I'm cool. I'm going to get up. I started making gourmet meals at home. <laughs> it was like, I have nothing to do. I bought a camera so that I can at least still be creative and go outside mm-hmm. and just take pictures of birds and weird looking dragonflies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you know, that's what you do. Like your purpose yeah. is in creating music and, and bringing it to people. You know, yep. and so what do you do when that isn't an option or when that option is changed? I think it um, this pan this pandemic definitely gave a lot of people a, a big appreci- appreciation for their outlet, their creative outlet. And yeah. um, it kind of changed the landscape a bit. But I'm just so happy that you're back out there. You're touring um, back, bringing music to yeah. everyone. And I did see like during the pandemic, I saw some of the things you were doing that looked super cool and you were posting and I'm not sure if some of this happened before, but you had some like tiny desk, NPR tiny desk concert series postings. Um, One of them was remote, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. So when, so when the pandemic hit, uh, immediately, like I said, I was telling you earlier, I came home on March 13th. Um, That's the day I got home. Um, And I think we kind of sat still from like March into April. May came around. And when May came around, it was like, okay, the phone finally rings and says, it was John, actually. It was like, okay, John has some some virtual stuff he wants to do. We're going to see if we can pull this off. And it was like, huh? <laughs> like, 
what do you mean get a camera and set up a camera or something? Like, you can use your iPhone. Like, it's, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to make it make sense. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the first one was good. The first one was very good. It, it was weird, but it was good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once we did that, they were like, okay. And this is why I do appreciate um, John Legend and his camp. They're really incredible at kind of pushing some limits. And, you know, by June or July, they were like, okay, we're going to fly some folks out to L.A. because John needed to do a tiny desk. Mm-hmm. And we had done some some virtual things. And they were like, let's just see, like, what happens. And I never forget getting to the hotel and finding out that we were the only, like, six of us, the only guests in that whole entire hotel. Wow. And they were like, we haven't had a guest here, so bear with us. Restaurant and bar are closed. Room service only. It was in LA, so the climate there was shut down, like very Mm -hmm. shut down. Like there's nothing open for dine in. Like everything is takeout. Like it was just different from anything we've ever experienced. So we go out there and we ended up doing a bunch of stuff. Like I remember them having two sets like facing each other. So like we would perform on this set for this TV show, then perform on this set for this TV show while they're changing over the other set. And one of those was NPR Tiny Desk. Um, and yeah, that's been the the vibe, you know? It was like, I did that one with John and then we did one earlier this year with uh, Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. That was also in a remote spot. And then uh, we did Fat Joe recently as well, which was from a remote spot. I think they're calling it Tiny Desk from Home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the whole get back into a vibe has been different. Um, gave me a whole new appreciation for a tour bus and a hotel room. Tell you that much. I but, bet. <laughs> yeah, but it's like to actually be out here touring. It's kind of like old. And my body cannot take some of what it took <laughs> years ago. Yeah, and realizing just how much sitting still for a year affects, like everything, like your whole posture, mm-hmm. and you know, playing more daily and every other day is a whole different thing now. It's a whole different vibe. So yeah, yeah it was my life all last year. I got a lot of recording done. That was cool. Yes. Yeah, that is a good thing for sure. Um, It is weird, though. I mean, I do have this conversation often lately where now that um, people are getting back out on the road, the realization of how much you did before, how hard you worked before, it's it's like even it's a little bit shocking, like. And, and maybe like, maybe we were doing too much, <laughs> like, you know, like, um, yeah, that's so true. I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, yeah. it was like life, life was too fast before almost like yeah. it, it slowed down to a pace where it made you realize just how fast you were moving and maybe not even like realizing it. Right. One million percent. Like yeah. I often go back to, I think it was 2017 or 2018. And I remember that year I had toured with like, I did a clinic tour that year. I toured with Jill Scott. I toured with John Legend and I toured with Common. All mm-hmm. in the same year. And at some point those were all kind of intertwined. Like I played a festival like on a Friday with Jill and on a Saturday with John, then the Sunday would be Common. Like it literally same festival 
And it was insane. Yes. So like to think now about that, I'm like, what was I doing? Right. <laughs> how was I how was I functioning on barely any sleep? Now I'm like, I actually know how to get into bed and go to sleep at night. Right. It was weird not to get my rest. <laughs> right, right. I know. I know some of us have been spoiled by like normal life. <laughs> like, you know. Normal home life, you know. It's so so strange. But I, I do remember like I would call you and be like, okay, where are you? Where in the world are you? Who are you playing yeah. with right now? You know, because because it was like that. And you know, speaking of all those different musicians, Common and Jill Scott and John Legend and J. Cole and just all the work that you've done. Um, how is it to go from one thing to the other like that? To play a festival with three different, um, you know, styles and three different um, feels like that kind of thing. How do you do that? Uh, the word that does come to mind, I will not use because the language is harsh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, in all seriousness, I think that uh, it's, it's hard, number one, let's be clear. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Mm -hmm. However, I think that success is sometimes built in realizing the blessing side of a situation and not the headache side of a situation. Um, so with me, it's like just separate it all in my mind, you know, put everything in this little compartment and in, in this little slot mm -hmm. and listen to the show before it's time to play it kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, because the blessed part of it is how many guys can say that they pulled this off or if even had the opportunity to pull this off. Sure. Uh, the workhorse side of it is, okay, tonight is a John Legend show. I am going to play this show. I am going to play his show. I am going to play his show. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I'm going to play his show. Cool. Show is done. Let me get a good night's rest tomorrow morning. Playing for Joe Scott. Same festival, same stage. Okay. Let me play her show because I'm about to play her show. Oh, her mm -hmm. show. Let me listen to her show because I'm about to play her show. Like you guys just keep telling yourself. You know? Sure. And then finally, if there is a three dayer, which I'm it's had it's happened before, where like the next day I'm doing like common where it's like, okay, okay, now I'm back to, it's hip hop now. Now this mm -hmm. is, it's rap. I gotta play his show. And, yes. you know, and it actually gets a little fun when you start to get into the personality, like my own personal, but like my personal perspective of my personality. Mm -hmm. like, okay, I get to be three different people, three different stages. Uh, I often say like, John is more of, I wouldn't call it corporate, but it's like that down home R&B sound and with the tinge of pop in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, Jill, I call that savage R&B. <laughs> like, because <laughs> you know, her stage is like no backing tracks, mm -hmm. just up there and just go. So, you know, I call that savage R&B, like where I get to be a whole different person there. And then Common is like more... Definite hip hop, definite rap, but that's a whole different person in and of itself. So I kind of get to be three different people over three different days. And then if I'm lucky to have some clinics around all of that, then I also get to go be the complete version of me. 
Mm. Like to its truest form with all my orchestral arrangements and my tracks and all of that kind of stuff. So it's just a matter of really waking up in the morning and saying, who's gig am I doing today? This person, focus on that person, only that person. Don't focus on anything else. And then the next day, do it all over again. That's so great. So just basically a mindset change. Yeah. And got to be able to shift. I mean, I often say a perfect example of this is Brian Frazier Moore. He is one of those drummers that can play any style of music Mm -hmm. anytime. And you wonder, like, how did you just do that gig yesterday, this gig today? Thomas Prison is another one. How did you do the Mars Volta one day? And then, like, was in the studio with this R&B artist. Or, you know, like, this is all, like, what just happened? Like, right. How are you doing rock and jazz at the same time? Right, right. It's just, I think it's just a shift in mentality. It's a shift in being able to say, like, hey, today this is the job. Period. Right. Absolutely. And, and I like that you, um, you know, your, your personality lends itself to that, too, because you care to get yourself into that mindset. And yeah. I'm sure that the artists that you work with are really grateful for your personality and the way that you carry yourself and how you are, you know, a humble person and, you know, just like easy to work with. So. Well, you know, they say, and I think some of the greatest advice I think it's Adam Blackstone who said this to me. He says, you're on stage for at most two hours a night. You keeping your job is based on what you do the other 22 hours in that day. I was like, wow, that's profound because a lot of musicians, drummers in particular, do not realize that nobody cares how great of a drummer you are. Like in reality, right? Like there's great drummers everywhere. Um, people want to like you. People want to, you know, be like, oh, I want to work with Rashid or I want to work with Brian or I want to work with Little John. Like they want to want to be around you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love, like, I got to shout out the guys who I see doing it. Like Mike Mitchell. Like I see Mike Mitchell in a space where they're like, I want to play the gig with him. One, he's incredible. Two, he's a great guy. Like yeah. you, know, you want to hang out with him. Same yeah. with guys like Thomas Pridgen. Same with guys like Devin Taylor. Same with guys like my man, Justin Faulkner. Like, these are guys that are like, I want to play the gig with you. Not just, oh, I'm just stuck with you for this. And, you know, let's just get it out the way. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, when you got big homies that have passed that mentality down, I think Brian is one of the most likable guys that I've ever met who's a drummer. Yeah, like, he's literally, like, one of the most likable guys. Yes. If yeah. I got a problem with you, I will most likely have a problem. Because <laughs> he's not the kind of guy that everybody has a problem with. So if he has a problem with you and you have a problem with him, something's not right. That's your that's a good like litmus test for you know if yeah. you're if you're gonna get along with someone. If Brian Fraser Moore likes you and you and you get along, then you're good. <laughs> you're in a good space. Right. Me and Brian have had conversations with people who remain nameless, but <laughs> He's been like, yeah, I don't like that person. I'm like, me either. I knew it wasn't just me. <laughs> Literally, like, I knew it wasn't just me. So, no, it's 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 an interesting thing, but you got to be likable. I agree. Yes, I always give that advice, even on the other side of it. In like working in the the music industry, you know, um, business side of it. Yeah, I always say that to anyone who's looking to get into the industry, just be a good person. Just be, just be 
be likable. Like that's it's a shame that that has to be said. But right? I know. I know. Hey, by I the know. way, be kind. Be kind. Be yeah. Easy going. Be fun. Yeah. You know, don't be too stressed. And nobody likes a person who brings stress to the environment. So right. it's little. It's literally one of those things where. You've, I mean, we've all experienced it where you work with somebody that you really don't get along with. It brings so much more pressure and negative energy to a situation that should be all positive. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas when you're when you were the team that you just like all gel and you're working toward a common goal and everyone's a good person, like the, what you accomplish in that is unbeatable, right? That is literally um, what I'm experiencing right now. Like, oh, I this love that. that right now is. I often, like I said, at least twice a day, I feel like the best tour I've been on with John since starting with John in 2008, like this tour collectively, everybody's doing their job. I've, it's so crazy for me to think about how easy it is. Like, it's really easy. And I feel like this is what it's supposed to be like. I often joke around with Man Man, and I'm like, bro, this is the easiest tour we've ever done together. And we've been <laughs> on quite a few tours together um, with different artists. And it's just like, this is the easiest thing we've done. This is easy breezy. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And shout out to Man Man, too. I, Super shout yeah. out. Absolute man, man, Philly. He, we were talking earlier, and, and I have this thing where he just seems to always um be there like all of a sudden you know we i go to a show and he's there and i didn't know or he would come with you and visit um when i was at zilchin and turn around and there's man man so and it's crazy because I, i'll tell you this much he's probably one of the most giving people in terms of opportunities um freely giving you know what i mean there's a lot of politics in this industry um i think man man has done an incredible job at keeping the politics to the side, always picking the best person for the job and always making sure that he communicates what he wants in the situation. I think that's what makes a really great musical director. Um, and me and he, well, he and I, we have a massive friendship and brotherhood outside of like the gig, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I've known Man Man since we were teenagers. So our world, collided in a way that nobody ever saw coming very early in life. And then to now be, you know, in our thirties, mid thirties, it's like, whoa, this is, you know, something crazy to say, like, dude, he's been the same hard worker since I met him. You know what I'm saying? He's been mm -hmm. the same, let's go get, let's go get it. Like, let's go get it. Whatever mm -hmm. it is moment, let's go get it. He's been that same guy since I met him. So, it's kind of, it's magical to kind of sit back now and be like, wow, man, my brother's really doing it out here. And we've created such a bond that, you know, like people always say, well, man, man calls you first. I'm like, uh, sometimes he doesn't. Let's be, <laughs> because sometimes I'm not the call for the gig. There have been mm -hmm. times man, man will call me and say, yo, man, I'm calling such and such because I just think they will be the best person for the gig. Mm -hmm. like, of course I respect that. That's what it should be. Sure. Um, it just so happens that you may or may not have seen me and Man Man play a few tiny desks together. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you might have seen us do Chromeo. You might have saw us do John. You might have saw us do Fat Joe. Mm -hmm. 
just so happens that we do work really well together. You know, that's so true. And and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, Man Man Philly is John Legend's musical director and fantastic yeah. musician. Um, but that's so important, and I don't think anyone should see anything negative in that because when you gel with someone like that, you know, that's when magic is created. And that's when it's you, unbreakable bond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with this group out on tour right now, and you guys are just like locked in and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's special. And you know, John, this tour, John's doing something that I think is is really incredible. He's been bringing, so he does the voice. You know, he's been bringing his past uh, contestants, his past team, like folks when we're in their cities or close to their cities, he's been bringing them out to a song with him. Which is like massive, right? Like what artist is actually calling you back after That's doing amazing. these shows and saying, yo, I want to bring you out during my show. And actually taking the time to show up in Soundcheck, rehearse the song with you. Like John goes above and beyond and having Man Man there makes it super easy because he's like, oh, well this time we're gonna do it, boom, boom, bam. But um, it's this tour is that tour and it's it's really cool because like some of these songs that we're doing they're all covers some of them which some of us never played before <laughs> like you know it's a lot of stuff that we played that i'm like i never thought i'd be playing this song on stage yeah where everybody learns their parts they come in like it's crazy to say man man sends us the music on say a monday for a wednesday show Yo, this is the song we're doing with John. John will come to soundcheck. We'll go through it once or twice. Everybody will be good. And everybody be on point. Mm -hmm. To work with a group of people that's that efficient is like dream come true. Absolutely. Nobody's standing there like, oh, no, nah, what was that this? Or what was not? Nah, it's like, all right, guys, we're going to start from the top. Count it off. Cool. Boom. Done. John comes in. John's like, all right, everybody good? Let's Let's run through it. Like it's literally the smoothest running situation I've been a part of since I started touring. It's 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 incredible. I love that. And your experience way way back when you were a kid, getting that tape for um for the church, right? Yeah. And like learning that music. Yeah. I bet it. I bet it comes back around now because you're you're a pro. Yeah, and I tell you what. I realized just how tough it was to learn music from a cassette tape. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Rewinding alone, just let's go back to the top of the song. Yeah. Like, you got to guess where that is. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm sure people can relate, but some yeah. of the younger folks probably can't. You know, they they had the iPod and all that kind of stuff. But to learn music from a cassette tape uh, is rough. So it's so rough. <laughs> yeah, being able to just go on my phone and be like, okay, cool. This is the song. Let me go to my Apple Music or my Spotify or whatever and just boom, click on the song. I can rewind and play certain parts back. It's like, okay, this is perfect. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 much easier. So yeah, that was boot camp. That was hardcore boot camp. Right? But now, it, it prepped you. Yeah. Now <laughs> we're like, oh, this is this. I can do this. I can handle this. Yes. I sympathize with the cassette thing. I feel like that's a topic that keeps coming up in these conversations, but it's like so relevant because the rewinding and the stopping and trying to get it at the right spot and the batteries that you used up in your Walkman or your um, boom box or whatever, like, yeah. but nowadays, like um, cassettes are coming back and it's like a thing and kids are, 
are buying cassette tapes. Yeah, and they so. probably think that they're doing something that's never been done before. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We everything always comes full circle. We've done this. Always, yes, so, exactly. I mean, so. I remember like with CDs, like burning CDs was the thing. Yeah. Get frustrated if somebody gave you a cassette instead of burning you a CD. It's like, well, why didn't you just burn me a CD where I could hit the track? You know, track mm -hmm. one, get to the next song. And some people will burn you a CD and not put the tracks in there. So now you got this long CD. Like <laughs> that didn't work. That was not good. No. It was, good. It was never, ever, ever good. So nah, we we've we've been thankful for our progressions in technology. Yes. Oh my goodness. And how far it's come in such a short amount of time. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, a note about burning CDs. I don't know if you remember this, but like how long it would take to burn a CD and like the noise that your, your computer would make with the tower. Cause we all had like, you know, we didn't have laptops or any of that. It was like the tower computer and you put the CD in and it would like sound like it was going to blast off yes. into outer space as it yeah. was burning it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's something that to this day, I'm just like. If you can think about those times, every time you pick up your phone and go onto Apple Music or Spotify, your appreciation for a click and play will be oh, so different. So and I good. found one of my old iPods recently too. And I was like, I wonder if I plug this up. One, what music is gonna be on there? Two, will it still work in general? Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't find a charger for it because it's different. I was just gonna say, like, I wonder if, like, the plug, you know, the plugs and the the ports and all that, like, are. I didn't even find a charger <laughs> to work for that thing. I did look because I really, and I feel like so. Feel like my first iPod I brought while I was on tour with Guapale, maybe. Uh, I was like twenty, nineteen, or twenty, mm -hmm. and I probably spent what I thought was a lot of money on it just so that I could be up with the times. Yes. Yeah, and and I know funny fact to, to go back to Man Man, Man Man is how I brought my first iPhone. Because when I got the John Legend gig, he was like, yo, man, you gotta get a phone like that's up to date. Like you can't because I had like a little, you know, something simple. And he was like, nah, man, like you're gonna get emails and stuff that you're gonna have to like listen to music and blah 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 blah. And he's like, You need to get an iPhone. I was like, I want an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> we were in Kansas City. I will never forget going to the Apple store and buying an iPhone and telling Man Man that day, like, so I did it, okay? What do you want from me? And he's like, no, nah, you're going to be glad you did this. So, yeah, it's a very interesting, interesting world with these devices. That's too funny. And now, like we said, like, they're going back. I saw a commercial for a phone that, like, flips in half. It looks like an iPhone, but it flips in half. And I'm like, so like a flip phone? <laughs> are you calling this a flip phone still? Or are we, you know. Right. How does that? I don't know. Anyway, it's always, it always goes back. But but um, so you are out on tour with John Legend right now, but you have some things local because you're in Orlando now. So tell us about mm -hmm. the, the Will's Pub gigs. So uh, when I moved to Orlando, I did not plan on really being a musician there. I moved there for life reasons, mm -hmm. um, to start life, you know what I mean, in a different regard. So yeah, let's just say that after you sit in the house for a year and not play drums, uh, you start to really, really, really question what you wanna do with your talents and with your gifts. So shout out to Mike Mitchell in this regard because Mike was the first show that I went to 
like in slightly ending pandemic and it's still not over. So I'll say when things were opening in Florida mm -hmm. and music venues were opening, um, I saw that he was gonna be in town playing at Will's Pub. And I was like, yo, I gotta come check you out because I haven't been in a room and just listened to live music like outside of me being the drummer, you know what I'm saying? Or me mm -hmm. doing a tiny desk or something like that. So um, yeah, shout out to shout out to Mike because it was so inspiring to see him powering through this pandemic life. And he was like, yo, we're gonna do what we gotta do. And I, I went to the show at Wills Pub. I, uh, I watched him play and then after I watched him play, he introduced me to the promoter. And he was like, like Mike, Literally at one point is on a microphone because you know Mike so yeah it's, mm -hmm. and, and visualize this okay he's like y'all got Rashid Williams here and nobody knows <laughs> and, I'm, ah. and I'm sitting there like that's not their fault it's my fault I never <laughs> know so at some point he introduced me to the promoter he's like yo no nah, yo you guys got to know each other so um we got to talking and I was like yo something that I do see as a bit of a gap in the music scene in Orlando is improvisational playing where it's not learning the cover songs for the Disney gig or for the wedding band gig or for, you know, and that's mm -hmm. how a lot of these guys work. And I, I commend it. I love it. Um, but having a platform where people can just be more creative, it was what I saw as a bit of a gap. So we started, we got to talking and the first one I did started off as we called it like, the, I did I did something at a place called the New Standard, which shout out to Nate from New Standard as well. Um, and we called it like grooving with Rashid Williams. We had nothing better else to call it, right? So <laughs> I did I did a thing there, and then I did a thing at uh, uh, Will's Pub with Montgomery Drive, and we called it like a night with Rashid Williams. It was weird. So fast forward to me having a conversation with a gentleman named. Marshall, who owns a promotion company in Orlando called Montgomery Drive. And I'm sitting in the car with man, man. <laughs> everywhere. He's everywhere. So Marshall is telling me on his call, and I'm on speaker because man, man was picking me up from the airport in Philly, actually. And uh, we were like headed back to his house. I was staying for a few days. So <laughs> Marshall's like, hey, man we got to get you a band name. Cause at this point I started like playing Monday nights and I was doing stuff at the standard and it was like building this little traction attention to me. And Marshall's like, we got to get your name, got to get your name. And the name of my company is little fat Jimmy. So everybody knows that. Um, so man, man's in the car and he's like, put him on hold, put him on hold. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, Marshall, hold on one second, put him on hold. And man, man goes, Yo, with the kind of music you're doing and with what you enjoy, just call it the LFJ Orchestra. And I was like, huh, I like that. Literally, no lie. We're in the car driving. <laughs> I'm like, huh, I like that. Hey, Marshall. So yeah, it'll just be Rashid runs in the LFJ Orchestra. And he was like, I like it. I was like, me too. Mm -hmm. My own baby told me that. <laughs> you know, like this is the whole true story, right? So once we did that, I started coining that and we started branding that. So we started making this Monday night at Will's thing a once a month thing that we still do. Um, I did one last month. I went home for a couple of days and we had a show there. Um, and it's been really cool to watch 
the audiences grow and get bigger. I think the first one might have had like 13 people. Because <laughs> like, everybody's like, who's this Rashid guy? Like, we don't know him. And mind you, Wills is like a punk rock dive bar. So, okay, yeah. You know, they're like, this RB drummer. <laughs> and then, like, you know, I get to play all the shops that I never get to play anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, channel my inner Thomas Pridgen a little bit. And uh, they're like, oh, wow, like, we kind of like this stuff. So, We've been doing it every month. Um, October 25th is the next one, our pre-Halloween show and, you know, costume party. But it's been really cool, one, to play music for people who genuinely just want to hear good music. Two, it's been really great to play a lot of original music. And now kind of weirdly having a band is like, I don't know when the band thing happened, but Mm -hmm. I have a set group of guys that, that I call and these guys are a part of the LFJ orchestra. And fun fact, one of the guys who are part of the LFJ orchestra was in the band that I first played with that band Armageddon that when I was like 13 years old, it was his brother's group. So he was the wow. player and musical director. So when I started my band and he lives in Florida, I called him and I was like, yo, would you be down to like do this with me? And he was like, He's like, let me think about it. And he literally texted me like two minutes later, like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so everything full circle. Like, it's been incredible. Um, I, when I say being in Orlando has been a, a bit of a doozy because I never saw that being part of my life. Mm-hmm. But having this new endeavor with the LFJ Orchestra and with, and with Montgomery Drive and like really building this thing up has been quite the beautiful process. I love that. And it is such a full circle moment there. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's, yeah, it's, it's everybody crazy. in the band is from New Jersey except the guitar player. Wow. But everybody lives in Orlando. That's crazy. amazing too. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I love it. That's so great. And before we go, I just want to ask um if you have any advice for, you know, someone who's coming up, starting out, trying to break into the industry at this crazy time, you know, what would you say? Actually, I do have some advice for those guys. Because right now, what I can say, and I hope a lot of people really catch this, because it's like, musicians are not a dime a dozen anymore. You know, I think the pandemic made people get jobs. And they were like, not messing with music too finicky, too up, too down, too left, too right. Um, But we need more folks out here that we can call. I know right now there are going to be opportunities coming up that I'm going to need to have somebody to call. Um, My go-to guy is usually Carlin White. Carlin White plays for J. Cole now. He's busy. (laughs) You know what I mean? There are names in the hat, and all these guys are gigging now. So my calls are slim. Um, my advice would be, one, prepare, like do the local work, do the, you know, whatever you can get yourself into, because at the end of the day, nobody's going to hire you to a gig if nobody can say that they've ever seen you play. Um, I know social media and YouTube is big. And right now these arrangements are big. The problem with drummers doing these arrangements, that most of them are overplaying the arrangement. So then the question comes up, like me and Mamma have this conversation all the time. It's like, well, who do we call for this gig? Well, 
I saw him play an arrangement, but he overplayed it or right. she overplayed it. So can they just play music? The only way you find that out is by being able to vouch and call somebody and have somebody vouch for you. So you have to, to the young man or young woman or who's out there and they're like, yo, you have to find your local circuit. You have to be on the local scene so that somebody can speak up for you. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like utilizing social media, hit people like me up, hit people like man, man up, because you never know what day we're just going to be sitting there saying, man, and man, man, this is how man, man says it. He'll be like, she, you can't do the gig. Can you? Like, nah, bro, I can't. Cause you, I'm either here or I'm somewhere else. This doesn't work. Like, All right, man. All right. So who we call? Yes. Who's to say that that same day? I won't be like, yo, it's crazy. Cause this person just hit me up and they kill him. Like, let's, yo, we should holler at him. Let's see what's up. Let's give him a chance. Yeah. And he's always down with those kinds of things. So you have to network. You got to prepare. Like, just be ready. You know, the gig is not about the drums. The gig is about the artists. Mm -hmm. We just compliment the music. That is what we're there to do. And we live in a day and age where the drummers want to show up and be the star. And, yeah, my advice, prepare, network. Be on your scene. Absolutely. That's such great advice. Um, and for anyone out there listening who wants to come out and see you play John Legend tour dates, I'll put some links in the um, description and um, monthly gigs, monthly Monday gigs at Will's Pub, right? Yeah, I would say um, follow on social media at J. Rashid Williams on Instagram and just Rashid Williams on Facebook um, because I'm always posting. Um, mm-hmm. Especially to make sure, like with the Orlando stuff, it's like that's a whole different experience. And I always tell folks, if you want to see me, like really, like just let it all hang out. Mm-hmm. That's the place to do it. I love it. Perfect. And I hope to see you soon as well. Yeah, I'm gonna be headed your way soon. So I, once we wrap this up, I'll, uh, you know, I get some details and see where you're gonna be because I think in and out, it'll be fast. But I'll wave to you in your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's literally how my life looks now. I know, I know. And you know what? It's how it has to be, and that's okay. But we will someday in the not so distant future, we'll be able to see each other and give each other a big hug. Yep. Six of those. So you've been so helpful through all my processes. And it's not too many people I can just call and say, Hey, I need your help. I need your advice. And you have been one of the like four. Oh my gosh. Like Hey, Sarah, you know, I called you. I was like, hey, this is what I'm going through. Today. You're like, well, if I were you, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, really great advice. So I really, I really appreciate you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. Always here for you. Always. And I appreciate you too. Oh, well, you know, Sam, you know this goes both ways. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> All right, Rashid, I will see you soon. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Bye. Peace. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.